<laughs> well, now, we call this the act of mating, but there are several other very important differences between human beings and animals that you should know about. Hello, Polly and fam, and welcome to Talk Your Polly Off, presented by ilovepolly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. So, so let's, let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. We're going to do that today. <laughs> Welcome to Talk Your Polly Off. I'm Bella. I'm Monsada. And we're going to do the thing about the thing. It's sexy time. Dun 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 Can't touch this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny because we're gonna talk about consent and that song works perfectly for Perfect. that. Perfect. I was thinking that you were gonna be all like Let's talk about sex, baby. Because I do that all the time. Let's talk about the birds and bees. <laughs> oh, Let's talk story. about all the things that we do without our socks on. <laughs> what if I want more? My feet are cold and I want to keep my socks on. You've made fun of me for having my socks it's on weird. during sex. It's weird. It's not. My feet are cold. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the story about the birds and the bees with my parents around the campfire? I don't think so, it's but not you can a, tell me now. It's not a big, long story. It's just... There were four of us kids growing up, two girls, two boys, and my parents told my brother, my older brother and I, the story around a campfire about, like, oh, man, things and stuff. Like, you put things in stuff. Oh, yeah, the stuff and things conversation. Yeah. yeah. You know, some people have things, and some people have stuff, and the things go inside the stuff. <laughs> so, like... Mom, are you talking about Tupperware? <laughs> I don't even remember this conversation. It's come up campfire after campfire that this was said. <laughs> mm-hmm. So my birds and the bees conversation that was had with me. Yeah. Now this is your, you as a kid, not you telling your kids. Right, right. I'm receiving. <laughs> I'm a little more straightforward when it comes to my kids because I'd rather that they were educated. Right. Instead of <laughs> proverbially beating around the bush. So when I was 14, you know, I'd already been doing the bang ring for a while now. Mm-hmm. And we we're downstairs in the basement. My partner at the time and I, who later became my first wife yeah. and the mother of my first child. At any rate, we're going at it. We're doing the dirty, bumping uglies, however you want to call it. <laughs> and my mom walks in. Mm-hmm. I was 14. That was embarrassing. I jumped right behind my girlfriend (laughs) so that my mom didn't see the wanger-danger business. (laughs) These are all super great names. (laughs) And she was mortified. Immediately turned around, walked out the door. (laughs) We got dressed. My girlfriend went home. I had this other little room that was like an oversized closet where my Nintendo was. Did you hide in it and cry? No, I just went in there and started playing Nintendo. (laughs) What else are you going to do when you're interrupted on that, right? My mom's boyfriend decided he was going to be the man of the house and have this conversation. My mom couldn't do it. (laughs) She basically ran downstairs and went, oh my God! Right. So he comes down and I was sitting there playing the game and he walks in. 
And this guy is a total asshole. Yeah. Right? We never got along. He's been, he'd been around for a couple of years now. We would actually fight. Yeah. Like, he'd fight kids because he's that hard. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. And he came in being all, like, chummy and buddy and pal and, <laughs> hey, how's it going? Like, good. You doing okay? <laughs> yep, just playing Nintendo. So your mom told me, okay, cool, what, what do you want to get at here? <laughs> So I think that it's time for us to have a conversation about what happens when a boy and a girl like each other. Oh, no. And I'm, and I'm thinking in my head, like, I already know that because I was doing it. <laughs> You're a little late, pal. <laughs> Whatever. So he tried really hard to be the dad. Mm. And his descriptions were so stupid. <laughs> and it was like, I'm not six. You don't have to tell me about bees and flowers. Or things and stuff. Or things and stuff. <laughs> Just say, hey, I hope you're using protection and, you know, maybe don't do it when your mom's home. That would have been fine. He went into this super long, uncomfortable, awkward thing. I had to pause my game. Oh, no. I was very unhappy with yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway, it was probably really embarrassing for him. Aww. I know it was super embarrassing for me. That's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. But at least I got to hide my business. <laughs> so if you haven't noticed already by the title of the episode, uh, this is the sexy episode. Well, in theory, I mean, that wasn't very sexy, no, but, but it is an episode where we talk about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. I like my version better. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things. That may be. Better the bee's knees. Oh, okay. So why don't you kick it off? Sure. Um, I want to talk about... <laughs> I want to talk about a few sort of definitions. All right. You know, we come from the world of polyamory. And those in polyamorous relationships generally attempt to maintain sexuality and sometimes emotionally intimate relationships with no promise of sexual exclusivity. Right? So we're talking about multiple loving partners. Some are sexual, maybe some aren't sexual, but there's loving, committed partnerships in polyamory, right? right? And you don't always expect your partner to be exclusive. So, now, if you have a dynamic that you negotiate that, that's totally different. Mm -hmm. But in the overall consensus, you're not out the gate exclusive. So basically, intimacy and sexuality don't have to go hand in hand in your relationship. Right. You can okay. have one that's emotional, one that's sexual, without the emotions. Or you can have it all together in one relationship. Or have it all together in three different relationships. Totally. The biggest part about it is or that Or have it's... 58 sex partners and one <laughs> emotional partner. Totally. Yes, that sounds like a good time. It does. All at once? 58 at once? That would be fantastic. Oh, that'd be a big bed. Right. And a lot of Gatorade. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. yeah. But the biggest point there is that it's there's no promise of sexual exclusivity. Right. Right? Now there's polysexuality. And polysexuality is the practice of having sex with multiple people, either simultaneously as a form of group sex, or maybe just with one person at a time, and then a new person, and then a different person. And then that person over there, yeah. and maybe that person. So and that the means neighbor. you're just sexual with multiple people in whatever way works for you. Polysexuality. 
Okay. Okay. And then the third one is polyfidelity. And that closely resembles a closed marriage dynamic. Polyfidelity differs from polyamory in that polyfidels, the term that someone who's a polyfidelist generally expects, the people in their group to be sexually exclusive, and polyamorous usually do not. Okay. So polyfidelity is where maybe you're in a closed quad. There's four of you, and you're polyfidelous, meaning you only sleep with and interact with those in your closed quad. Only, only interact sexually, sexually with those in your quad. Yep. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. That's just kind of some different definitions along polysexual relationships. Okay. So, with that said, we did the Hammer Time song. Yep. Well, you did the Hammer Time So, as is generally a great way to start the conversation about sexuality with somebody mm-hmm. or sexual intimacy. Yeah. About wanting to get it on with somebody. Getting dirty. <laughs> Let's talk about whether you can touch this or not. And consent is a big deal. Consent. Consent is the end-all be-all. I mean, or the start-all be-all. The start-all end-all. Right. Yep. So consent occurs when one person voluntarily agrees to the proposal or desire of another. It is a term of common speech with specific definitions as used in such fields as the law, medicine, research, and especially important for today's discussion, sexual relationships. It's a voluntary agreement to engage in sexual activity without abuse or exploitation of trust, power, or authority without coercion or threats. Consent can also be revoked at any moment for any reason. Absolutely. Different types of consent include implied consent, expressed consent, informed consent, and unanimous consent. Consent as understood in specific contexts may differ from its everyday meaning. For example, a person with a mental disorder, a person under the influence of drugs or alcohol, or under the legal age of sexual consent may willingly engage in a sexual act that still fails to meet the legal threshold for consent as defined by applicable law. Right. So let's break these down. My favorite, express consent. (laughs) It's clearly and unmistakably stated rather than implied. It may be given in writing or by speech. It is, yes, I'd like to do that, and that's express consent. The less obvious version is implied consent, which is inferred from a person's actions and the fact and circumstances of a particular situation. Right. A good way to understand implied consent, for me, what I do, is I think about fighters in a boxing match. When one boxer gets punched in the face by their opponent... The consent to pummel their face was actually implied when the boxer stepped into the boxing ring and agreed to fighting at the top of the match. He didn't say, please punch me in the (laughs) face, but he was willing to get punched in the face, and the other boxer knew that because he got in the ring, they touched gloves, they agreed to the fight. Totally makes sense. And then there's informed consent. Informed consent in medicine is consent given by a person who has clear appreciation and understanding of the facts, implications, and future consequences of an action. The term is also used in other contexts, such as in social scientific research, when participants are asked to affirm that they understand the research procedure and consent to it. 
or in sex, where informed consent means each person engaging in sexual activity is aware of any positive statuses for sexually transmitted infections and or diseases that they might expose themselves to. Mm. And for polypods, unanimous consent or general consent is consent by a group of several parties. Okay. To jump further into consent, or maybe in this case, express consent, we have affirmative consent, which is kind of like the enthusiastic yes. Yes! That. It's when both parties agree to sexual conduct, either through clear verbal communication or nonverbal cues or gestures. It involves communication and the active participation of people involved, unambiguous and conscious decision by each participant to engage in mutually agreed upon sexual activity. According to Yoon Hendricks, a staff writer for Sex Etc., instead of saying no means no, spin it around to say yes means yes, this not only helps define the level and amount of consent in a response, but it also looks at sex as a positive thing. Also remember, ongoing consent is sought at all levels of sexual intimacy, regardless of the party's relationship, prior sexual history, or current activity. Keep in mind things like grinding on the dance floor is not consent for further sexual activity, and who or how many people a person has been sexual with is not an indicator of their willingness level for sexual encounter right now or with you. Exactly. There are three pillars often included in the description of sexual consent or the way we let others know what we're up for, be it a goodnight kiss or the moment leading up to sex, and they are... Knowing exactly what and how much I'm agreeing to, expressing my intent to participate, and deciding freely and voluntarily to participate. Right, and to obtain affirmative consent, rather than waiting to say or for a partner to say no, one gives and seeks explicit yes. This can come in the form of a smile, a nod, or a verbal yes, as long as it's unambiguous, right. enthusiastic, and ongoing. Denise Labertu of the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault says... There's varying language, but the language gets to the core of people having to communicate their affirmation to participate in sexual behavior. Then goes on to say, it requires a fundamental shift in how we think about sexual assault. It's requiring us to say women and men should be mutually agreeing and actively participating in sexual behavior. Absolutely. Mutual agreement is key. There's a lot to it, but it really boils down to... Make sure you're getting that yes. And if you get the no, respect the no. Yes, absolutely. Don't keep pushing for a yes. It has to be unambiguous, and it has to be wanted. And without duress and threats. Without duress and threats. It's that simple. If you get rejected, turn around and walk away. That, that easy. It's and that honestly, easy. it would help if we all like share in that knowledge and education, mm -hmm. right? So if some kid grew up without education on consent mm -hmm. and you're a passerby on the street watching something go down and you see that he's not respecting consent i think it's okay to be like hey like respect what she says and this is why or you know like if you see something speak up it's okay oh, yeah absolutely and a lot of a lot of non-consensual encounters don't get recorded and reported 
because people are afraid to speak right. out. Right, and it can even be at a party. Like mm-hmm. you see, you see some guys from the football team over there harassing someone or not taking no or whatever. I know a lot of the times there's a fear of stepping in or speaking up, but the more we do that, mm-hmm. the more people will see that it's not okay. Right, and I'd actually like to add an addendum to what I just said about respect the no and walk away. Mm-hmm. Maybe even show that you respect the no by thanking them for being vocal with their no. Yeah. And then just walking away. Because that says, I hear what you're saying, I acknowledge what you're saying, and I'm going to respect what you're saying. Yep. And in general, women are afraid to even say no because of the response that they get typically from someone who's angry that they just got rejected. Yeah, don't be a dick bag. Yeah, so if you've been rejected, take it politely, thank them, and move along. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think that we've covered consent pretty well. I think so, and if there's something you want us to cover again or dive deeper into, let us know. Absolutely. So we've addressed consent and say that you have expressed consent and you're ready to move forward. There's another step in that chain of process, I guess, and that's understanding boundaries. Definitely. So, and then, you know, and we're also going to address safer sex policies and STIs. So I guess before we get into sexual boundaries or STIs or any of that, I do want to say that at any point in this show or any other show that we actually provide, any time that we talk about medical matters or legal matters or any of that, if we discuss these matters, please understand we're not medical professionals, we're not legal professionals. Any information we provide is purely for discussional use. To fully understand any of the medical discussions we have on this or any of our other social media outlets, please do the right thing and reach out to your doctor or a member of the medical field so your questions can be addressed by a person with the proper qualifications. Right. And the same goes for legal matters or like like with the violation of consent or something mm-hmm. something like that. You want to talk to somebody who can actually give you the right answers. Absolutely. When we're discussing these things, all we want to achieve is to open the door on these topics in order to create and promote awareness for a more informed and responsibly non-monogamous community. Right. We want to open up these conversations, get people comfortable talking about it. There's no need to be all hush-hush about STIs or boundaries and sex in general. Like, yeah, we just want to talk about it. So this is all from our experience. This is from research. But we absolutely want you to seek the advice of a medical professional. Or a legal professional. Or legal. Yeah, and the more that we can speak openly with you about it here... Hopefully, the more comfortably everyone can speak about it in person or in public or at meetups. That way, we are all on the same page about consent and boundaries and safer sex practices. Right, absolutely. So, when it comes to sexual boundaries, you might ask yourself, well, how do I go about even setting a sexual boundary? All while still keeping sex fun, keeping it sexy... Here's some few things that we suggest. First, identify what you are and aren't comfortable with. Figure out your wants and needs. Second, learn how to communicate your boundaries and initiate a conversation with your partners. Get it out there in the open. Like we were said, have these open conversations. Yeah. Three, once you've had that initial boundary discussion, communicate boundaries in action by using safe words during sexy time. 
Find a word you can use to slow down or try something else like a yellow or find a word that means full-blown stop like red. Yeah, definitely. So you're going to have the converse, figure out what you want, have the conversation, figure out some safe words for while you're in the moment. Kind of like you're playing traffic director here. You want to make sure that you're going at the right speeds and at the right direction. Absolutely. And once you figure that out, the fourth tip we've got is to create an emergency plan. If you have a partner with a sexual trauma history who might get triggered during sexy time, if you have this discussion now, it will help all involved feel less scared and more prepared when the triggered moment happens. Absolutely. That's 100%. And the last thing I want to say about your sexual boundaries is do not shame your partner for anything they may want to try. Do not pressure them into trying something that they don't want to try. And you never owe anyone anything, regardless of how much they spent on a date or what expectations they may have. Exactly. So, and then that's deep into what you were just talking about. That's actually talking about consent. You don't want to pressure. I don't care if you've been with your partner 12 minutes or 12 years. Right. You don't want to pressure them into something they don't want because that's not express consent. When you, again, with like the trauma things, you never mm -hmm. know what might trigger someone. So I've even experienced it at a local munch before years ago where someone had a, a sexual history with, they're not a partner, but they've someone they played with previously. Right. And this person walked up and literally touched this ex-play partner on the shoulder as they were like passing through a crowded bar that partner had some trigger to being touched on the shoulder. Something had happened since they were last sexually intimate and this person no longer wanted to be touched in any way and that instantly triggered them. So even though there was some sexual history between these two, the touch on the shoulder was no longer okay. Right. Things change. You never know what's going on with someone. Right. And then also I'd like to point out that all of these pieces of advice that you had just offered those can go at different levels for each different partner. Yes. You may be totally ready to do kink or anal or whatever, like far full blown sex with somebody mm -hmm. and maybe not the same things with somebody else. Absolutely. I mean, I've experienced that recently. Right. Where I'm, you know, feeling, feeling the energy with one person, but it's a different energy with someone else. It's still a great energy. It's just different. So our levels are at different varying points. Yeah. And that's okay. And it's okay to have those conversations and it's okay to explain to a partner so that they understand that they might not be at a level that you're comfortable with. That way everyone gets to still have fun. Absolutely. Yep. All comes back to that open communication. And that shame in the partner business. I've seen so much of that. Yeah. And it's really kind of heartbreaking. This doesn't specifically talk about the act of sex, but one of the things I truly detest is when people have dated, they've been in a relationship, they've been sexual, and then they break up. And one partner, in order to make the other one look like shit in public or right. to other people or their circle, they will shame Maybe their genitals or the activity in the bed or like the length of really time. Like you weren't really good anyway. Right. Crap like oh, that. Oh, she fucks like a dead fish. Right. Or, oh, he has a tiny penis. Like, what are you trying to achieve with these things? That's, that's sex shaming. And you may not like that person anymore, but that's not necessary. No, it just goes back to bullying and people... 
people are insecure and upset about something with themselves, and so they're going to knock everyone else down. It's it's horrible. It's just frustrating, and it's easy to do. And I guess we should save some of that for our breakup episode, which we still Definitely. haven't done yet. I know. You keep trying to break up with me. I know. One day I'll get there. No, that's just not happening. You're stuck with me. I know. So let's... <laughs> I know. Oh. <laughs> Why? Oh. oh man. So we've talked about consent. Right. And we've talked about some boundaries. Yes. What else should we talk about well, before getting down and dirty? We're gonna talk about STIs. Oh yeah. Here's the thing. Now we also have run through these kind of fast. Yeah. And we'll probably run through the STIs kind of fast. We're trying to cover a lot of ground here in There's a short a lot amount of, of information. time. And we want to give some good information and still be able to cover a lot of ground. There is plenty of opportunity to do some more research on your own. Let us know what you want to know more of, and we can make episodes directly related to these things. Absolutely. You can do that podcast at ilovepolly.org. Let Just us throw know. That out there. You can also message us. We've had DMs before. Hit us mm -hmm. up on Instagram, Facebook. We check those the most. Right. And we've just dealt with direct messages on both, actually. Yeah. So we want to provide information. If you feel like you're not getting enough, understand we're just trying to get enough information into the episode as we can to cover a lot of base for sex. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yep. So we're going to jump over to STIs. And remember that medical professional thing? This we is are a not good that. place to reach out to them. Especially if you feel like you might have one or you are going to get ready to become more sexually active or have other partners. Yep. That's a great time to go get checks done. And please do not feel ashamed and try and hide your sexual activity from the medical professional. If the questionnaire says, how many partners have you had in the last six months? And your number is 600. Just put it on there and talk to them and tell them that you're polyamorous. Tell them that you're a swinger. Tell them you're sexually active. Just tell them you like to do the bangerang. The bangerang. It's a good keyword. <laughs> but be, be honest on that stuff. We'll start out simple. Protection. It's a large discussion partners will often have early on in a relationship, which is heading toward the sexual nature. In a monogamous relationship, you only have two people in the equation to consider when it comes to safe sex and protection, you and your partner. But in polyamorous relationships, there's you and your partner, plus any of your other partners, plus your partner's sexual partners. I mean, there's a lot of sexual partners. And it's a huge ripple effect of everyone you're connected to who are sexually active. And that's where, like what Bella was saying, talk to your medical professional and be as open and honest as you can be because even if you are ashamed or embarrassed of your STI and you don't want that on your record, it's better to have it there so that everyone gets that informed consent. Right. Even if it's, you know, there's the stigma about certain STIs. Let's throw herpes out there, for example. Talk to the medical professional, get all the information, because online, people are going to jumble and mix things up. Right. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Get either the diagnosis or not, but get all the information. Regular testing. Yep. Because if you're not being fully open with your doctor, you're also not being fully open with people 
who you are potentially going to become sexually active with. Right. And not providing open and honest communication, full disclosure information is taking away their ability to fully consent because they don't have all the information to have that informed consent decision. Yeah. Also, along that line of thought, when you go in to get your test, and you can you can sign up to get those anytime you want. You mm-hmm. can go in and say you want you want a panel done, tell them you want a full panel done. Right. So that they will test a range. Also understand that in some places they don't test for herpes. Right. Some places it's so common mm-hmm. they just don't test for it anymore because it's not considered like the same level as other STIs. So maybe make sure you say, I would also like to be tested for this. So make sure that you're getting a full panel done. Have that information ready when you're ready to talk to a potential partner about sexual activity. I even suggest snapping a picture of your results on your phone. And then you've got an electronic copy that you can show a partner. So basically, if you don't get your full disclosure done, if you don't do all of that stuff, what if someone in that chain gets an STI or even becomes pregnant? How would that be handled? Which partners do you use protection with? Who do you fluid bond with? What type of birth control works for you? How often do people in the group get STI testing done? And what if someone new enters the mix? These are all great questions to consider and ask early on in sexual relationships and to have on a regular basis with your polypod or your polycule or your tribe. Definitely revisit these. I mean, three years ago when you guys got together, maybe you were really excited for becoming a parent one day, but not yet. And now three years later, you're revisiting that conversation and you're like, no, I never want to have kids. But maybe your partners change their mind or you never know. Again, things change. So the more often you have these conversations over the years, the better. Right. And we did mention a couple of things about protection for birth control and having kids. Not implying that children are an STI. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) But that is a lifelong commitment that... Discussion needs to be had. Right. Don't spring it on a partner. Because that's a terrible thing to surprise someone with. (laughs) Happy birthday, by the way. (laughs) That's not good business. Oh, also, I had some stuff, some really fun stuff, on how to improve your chances of not getting an STI. Oh, yeah? Yeah. One of the websites, and these are legitimate. They just feel silly in a moment, being polyamorous. Right. Is... Practice abstinence. <laughs> Don't do dirty things. <laughs> Don't have any I mean, sex. that's a for sure way, but like... Yeah, life, it's 100% effective. Life would be very boring. Just Practice saying. mutual monogamy. Oh yeah, that's one too. All right, and you could do that. Totes. It's not as fun for us. <laughs> so I'm sure plenty of people out there are like, I love mutual monogamy. And that's awesome. Great. Yes. But when we're talking about polyamory... Hearing that is almost like what? practice abstinence. <laughs> so it's a little weird. But there's actually some really good stuff. You can and this is all coming from where? Multiple places. Oh, okay. I mean, like the CDC. <laughs> we're talking uh, WebMD. It's good. So it's good. Like always, we'll throw some stuff in the show notes. Yeah. And you can reduce the number of sex partners. So basically, it's like work from the least poly... To the most poly. 
in the chain of protection. Right. Yeah. We have an inherent risk. The more, obviously, the more sexual partners you have, yeah. the more your risk goes up. So the, take precaution. And that's why we talk about making informed decisions, and so that these can become calculated risks instead of just Wing bad it. decisions. <laughs> yeah. Right. So with HPV and hepatitis B, you can actually get vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've talked about using condoms and using the correct one, the correct size. Yeah. As one partner once mentioned to me, make sure that the lubricant you use is water-based and not oil-based. Yep. Something I didn't know until a while back. Yeah, I wouldn't have known that either. Use condoms through the entire act of sex. Use latex condoms. Latex. (laughs) Little French tuxedos on your penis. Use latex condoms every time you have sex. They are extremely effective if used properly. Also, try to avoid sharing towels or underclothing with somebody that you aren't entirely sure of their medical history. Yeah, I mean, I'm not panty swapping, but the towels would be a thing. I mean, and some people do panty swap, so there's that. Also, be mindful of the condoms. Once upon a time, it was believed that nonoxinol 9 helped to prevent STDs. It would basically kill the organisms that can cause the disease. Some research has shown, though, that doing so also irritates a woman's vagina and cervix and actually may increase the risk of an STD infection. Interesting. Yeah, so there's... There's always something. When you think you got it all, there's always something that says, no, you could still learn more. And then to help prevent spreading an STD is obviously stop having sex until you see a doctor and are treated. Mm -hmm. You want to follow your doctor's instructions for the treatment. They know what they're talking about. Don't think your body's a superhero. (laughs) Follow their advice. Again, use condoms whenever you have sex, especially with new partners. Don't resume having sex unless your doctor says it's okay. Yeah, I know there are some you got to finish, like, all the antibiotics and can't have sex for, I don't know, six weeks, crap like that. Right. And then after all, after you think it's cleared up or you're, you've run through your antibiotics, go back to the doctor and get rechecked. Mm-hmm. Very important. Don't assume... And then also, most importantly, as Bella mentioned earlier, make sure that everyone's informed. Make sure that you communicate with partners. If you find that you've had an STI, make sure that you tell past partners. Even if you don't like them anymore, people's health and safety is more important than feelings of breakup. Right, and that really just shows integrity, you know, after a breakup to be able to say, hey... I know we're not cool anymore, but FYI, this is a thing. And that goes a long way. It really does. Plus, more importantly, you're taking care of another human being. Yeah. It's that compassion we just talked about. Oh, yeah. We did talk about that. (laughs) So that's kind of a a brief overview on the STIs that we're going to talk about. What do you have next for us, Bella? Well, I do want to touch briefly on something in the... You want to touch me briefly? Briefly. Okay. How you doing? I was just going to say that. (laughs) I do want to touch briefly on something that we in the ethically non-monogamous community call safe sex agreements. Oh, okay. 
A safe sex agreement can help you establish guidelines to protect the physical and emotional safety of your polypod, as well as reduce misunderstandings and promote healthy relationships. They are different for everyone and can be as basic or as complicated as you want, as long as everyone is on the same page and everyone has a say in their own sexual health. We will link to an example relationship agreement by Kamala Devi, and you can scroll to section four, and that's where you, you will see their sex agreement. And like we were talking with the boundaries, safe sex agreements can and probably will change with each partner you have. Oh, absolutely. And they should be working documents. Right. And so we don't want to get into too much detail about how to set those up because those are going to be definitely customized for each relationship. And if you follow that link to Kamala Devi's website, there is a spot at the bottom that again links to like her blog. If and it's if you want to set up an agreement with you and your partners, here are my tips, kind mm. of a thing. So follow her link, see what her example looks like, and make it your own. And as always, do a Google search or whatever search engine you use. Like I use DuckDuckGo.com. <laughs> yeah, it's a real thing. And it's less tracking, so they don't do analytic information on what you're searching for. Interesting. So you're not getting as many ads and stuff. It's kind of nice, actually. Yeah. Facebook's always confused. Like, what do I show this guy? Because I don't know what he ever searches for. Right. <laughs> but definitely use your resources. A hundred percent. So we've walked our way through from initiating consent to getting to the act of sex. Yeah. And I think that we've covered a lot of the informative stuff. Mm -hmm. So how about we try something a little bit different? All right. What do you have in mind? Fantasies. Ooh, sexy. Right. So, I mean, does everyone have fantasies, do you think? I don't know. I really struggle with this one, actually. Like, you know, <laughs> maybe it just comes up in my conversations when dating, but I tend to talk about kink and sex and stuff pretty early on. Yeah. And that's usually a question that comes up, right? What are some fantasies? What are some things you've never done that you've always wanted to do? Kind of stuff. Right. And then the person I'm asking turns around and asks me. And I'm like, oh, shit. I just wanted to get to know you. I don't actually have anything to tell you. <laughs> you did, though, when you asked me and I turned it around onto you. I did. There was some pretty interesting Three fantasies. Three years ago. Yeah. And <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if they are still your fantasies or not. I can't do some of them. But do you still have that desire? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Okay. It would, it would be interesting. I mean, and that's another thing, too, right? Fantasies always change, just yeah. like anything else. Well, and so, yeah, I mean, I've got maybe one or two fantasies. I think even the most vanilla of people have fantasies. Well, I remember when I was in a very vanilla monogamous marriage, you know, I had fantasies of pull my hair and... Ooh, that's Maybe shocking. even choke me a little. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I think those are some really beginner level fantasies. Yeah. Uh, not, not to say that it's bad, but I think from what I feel like I hear, those are some of the steps into... They're the gateway drug. They're the gateway drug <laughs> to messed up sex. Not in a shameful way, in a fun way. Yeah, of course. Because, I, I mean, like, okay, honestly... I couldn't shame people for sex activities. No. Because I'm into some weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, I will, I will never shame you. Right. As long as it's consenting adults. We're golden. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I've got fantasies maybe. Maybe one a little bit too dark for this podcast. We'll talk about it in the bonus. Yeah, bonus Patreon episode. Yeah. If you want to hear that. 
head over to patreon.com and find us talk your poly off and go ahead and sign up for I think it's the, the third tier. Yeah, I think it's the five dollar level. The third tier gets you the bonus content. We're cheap. <laughs> we want you to have a good time and we don't want you to have to dig through your wallet deep to right. get there. Right. Yeah. What about what about your fantasies? Do you have uh, one I've off already the top told of your you head? I'm into some weird shit. I know. Do you have a lighthearted one? Yeah, balloons. I love balloons. There's something about a girl playing with balloons that I just get excited to this watch. This could be a fun photo shoot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm But like red balloons? Usually pastel colors. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. That goes with my little side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, okay. Can I put bunny ears on and sit in a, an Easter basket? Yeah, I'm not an Easter person. Okay, I mean, can you I, could. Can I'm I not just sit in the basket yeah. and have some peeps? I mean, you are kind of a basket case. <gasps> oh, no. I mean, it is the day. Fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing, too, right? Is that we're talking about the hair pulling and the, and the light choking. That is fantasies. Often, which lead to kink, mm -hmm. which I think we could do a whole new episode on kink. Where that's going to be coming up soon, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we'll get into that in more detail because I think that kink and fantasies, while they can be related, it's like polyamory and sex; they don't have to be exclusive. Right. Let's jump back to fantasies. Even the most vanilla person. Mm-hmm. Even if they're fantasizing about that movie star while they're having relations <laughs> with a different partner, they fantasize about, you know, the neighbors or right. being a peeping Tom or having someone watch them. I mean, fantasies come <laughs> in all shapes and sizes. Oh, no. It's exciting. Absolutely, yeah. Has there ever been a time where your fantasy ruined a sexual moment? Hmm. I've had a sexual moment ruined by someone else's fantasy. Oh, yeah. It was literally, he had this fantasy of wearing nylons during sex. And he would literally stop any foreplay, build up, making out sessions that we had. Be like, hold on, hold on. I gotta go put nylons on. I gotta go put my pantyhose on. So he just, he just cut it dead. Yeah. Not even like. Hey, you know, this would be really hot if uh, nope. you come and watch me put on my nylons. Not even close. It's just like, wait. Yeah, wait, hold on before we go any further. Sit down. Shut up. I'll be <sighs> right back. So then I got to start all over again. Okay. And it would, it would ruin experiences. That's fair. Why don't you tell me a, an interesting fantasy of yours? I told you about my balloons. This actually reminds me of when we first started talking before we started dating. Oh, yeah? Right. Where you wanted to know my kinks. And I told you some of them, and then I turned it around on you, and you got all quiet. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah, strange that. I'm not really known for being quiet. Also odd. <laughs> so how about a fun fantasy from the depraved mind of Bella? <laughs> Something other than Chris Hemsworth. Oh, we all know yeah. Oh, my God. I had a dream the other night, so I guess that's my fantasy. Even a, though I said something other than yeah, this, but go ahead. Yeah, no, that was hot. It was good. I wasn't watching Thor. I wasn't doing anything specifically Thorly. But for some reason, I had this dream about Chris Hemsworth. We were in Australia, and I was in this, like, see-through white dress. 
and somehow we were like in this pool suddenly, but he was like hugging on me. And then there was a photographer there who wanted to do a photo shoot and it was all like hot and sexy and I was like a model and it was very strange, but suddenly Chris Hemsworth was in my dream. So if you're hearing that, Chris, <laughs> just saying. It was a good time. There's implied consent. Yeah, but you know, I... <laughs> Anytime, Mr. Hemsworth. There's express consent. <laughs> I did, once upon a time, have lots of fantasies about watching people. Okay. I like to watch people. And in my very early days of exploring this, after my divorce... I had been invited to a local adult sex club. Okay. And so one of my very first experiences, this friend of mine had left me on the second story up at the railing, which overlooks the first floor, which is kind of like a dance floor. Okay. Okay. So this is at a local adult club and it's basically set up like a club night out, dance floor, good time. There's a bar, there's some food, and then there's some private rooms in the back for you to have your sexy time. But I was watching, and you're allowed to be, like, naked and topless and all these things in this club on the dance floor. Right. So I was standing up at the rail, deer in the headlights, watching people get freaky on the dance floor. And then there are some rooms that have, like, glass windows and such that they leave open so you can watch them have their fun. Well, and the glass windows at the, the club also have curtains, so if they don't want to be watched, yes. they can close the curtain. Yes. So oftentimes, with my people watching, right, so I'm a bit of a voyeur, I like mm -hmm. to see things, I'd watch them get, like, all their foreplay fun on the dance floor, and then walk off to a room, and I'd go see if they left the curtains open. Hmm. And so that was, like, one of my first fantasies fulfilled kind of a thing. Oh, that's very cool. It was actually pretty neat. I remember yeah. that night so vividly. Well, and that's another place that you can get active with your sex life. Yeah. As at a local sex club. I love the local clubs. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that really helps if you are a parent and you can't bring multiple partners home because you're still trying to figure out how to polyamory around your kids. Yeah. But you still want to get intimate with these other partners. Take it to the club. Right. Or honestly, maybe you're just a married couple that wants to explore this. Kind of dip your fingers into opening up. Dip your fingers. <laughs> dip your toes. Did I say fingers? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can put your fingers all the way in and dip your toes. You can also dip your toes. Yeah. yeah which is another fantasy some people have. <laughs> but, but again, maybe you've got kids at home, right? And you're... Married, or a roommate. And you just can't get your sexy time going on at the house for whatever reason. Yeah. You want to have a date night out try and open up this relationship, see what happens, but maybe you can't come back and do the sexy thing so that the clubs provide a place for you to have a date night out and get that sexy time in all while you have a babysitter at home. Right. And it gives you the opportunity to explore and meet new people who you could potentially swing with, yeah, absolutely. who you could do kink scenes with, who you could just fuck. Get your fuck really, on. Honestly. Yeah. And they're a good time. I mean, every time I've gone, I've had a good time. And, you know, with, like, the situation we were just talking about, sure. I mean, you could rent a motel room, but when you live in a, I don't know, more metropolis -y area, when you live in a city area, uh -huh. you've probably gotten an area abundant of clubs. You just don't realize it. 
And I mean, they range from like the more swinger customer base to the nightclub with the private rooms. And here locally in Portland, there's even this one place that's super chill and I call it my cheers bar, right. where you just kind of hang out with friends and you can go to their hot tubs, which are super clean by the way. And then there's private rooms again. Right. So there's a range depending on what vibe and feel. I know you and I like to go to the one that's a nightclub feel. That one's a lot of fun. Yeah, and then again, if you don't know what's in your area, do that research. Hit the Google machine. It'll tell you a lot of what you need to know. Definitely. And don't be afraid to take that chance because of the fact that the community around sex-positive lifestyles does often spend more time talking about consent and all the important things of etiquette when it comes to sex with strangers or new people, it's not as scary as it seems at first. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of etiquette, how do we navigate these clubs? I mean, what is some common etiquette at the clubs? Well, consent's a big deal. Of course. Yeah. I know that we've seen there's rules where you sign waivers and stuff when you go to the clubs. Like, simply don't be a creep. Yeah. There are things in place in these clubs that make sure that you are going to be taken care of and that decrease your chance of having a bad time. Yeah, and they take all that very seriously. Mm -hmm. I've seen men often thrown out when they cross the line into a place that's women only or couples only. Right. And they're being that creepy perv and they get tossed. Right. And then like you don't use your phone. That way you're not using the camera. Right. There's a lot of ways to protect you while you're in these clubs. And in my opinion, it's one of the better places to go to meet someone to potentially have sex. Yeah. It's a lot safer than going to a regular bar. Right. Where they just make money pouring drinks and whatever happens in the alley happens in the alley. Yeah, definitely. Not to trash talk bars because I like those too, but the informed education that goes on in the adult clubs, the swinger type clubs, mm -hmm. is so high and usually so good. Right. I've always had good experiences at, at any of them that we've been to. Right. And if you don't live in the city, you're, you're sitting there in the middle of Nebraska. <laughs> And you're like, man, that sounds great, but I don't have that. Outdoor sex, <laughs> long country road, nobody around for miles, get out of the car, do it against the trunk. <laughs> That's some people's fantasies. Uh, I mean, we've done it in a storage unit. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've had plenty of outdoor sex in plenty of places. It started out being something like, ooh, that's exciting. Oh, that's dangerous. And then it just became a thing like, hey, uh, you know, this would be a good time. <laughs> Sure. Just remember to please respect your local laws. Well, and make sure you're not doing it in a restaurant. Or, I mean, like, you <laughs> be, smart, be mindful. <laughs> this goes back to consent, right? Yeah. Some people would not consent to walking up and seeing that. Right. So make sure that it's well Privately outside. You know, yeah, privately outside. Yeah. So, okay. So, I mean, sex clubs, adult clubs, that's one place to get your freak on. But what if you're just at home, uh, doing your thing, date night in? What are your tips for setting the mood, so to speak? I mean, let's say you have a date coming over that you've previously discussed having a sexual relationship with. How do you prep and plan and set a romantic, sexy mood for the night? Okay, so there's often water, water cooler conversation where the one person who seems to be the very sexually active one, the bragger, 
<laughs> is often like, this is the playlist you use, and this right. is the thing, and then it works every time. Yeah, if you have one-offs and you never want to do it again with that person. <laughs> You've got to vary your technique up. I'm a huge mood setter, whether it's for sex or role-playing games, not those, like actual <laughs> dice games, or even just a party. Like when we throw our parties at the house, mm -hmm. I set the mood, I create the environment, I choose my music carefully usually. Like you really immerse yourself into it so that you're creating the experience you want and you're helping create an experience that someone else is gonna say, that was an amazing time. Right, that was so memorable. Right, so for my mood setting music, if I'm wanting to be lovey and romantic, I might play some softer music, something that touches on the heartstrings a little more. Yeah. Often when I'm doing a kink scene or wanting to do kink, I'll put on In This Moment or Lords of Acid or Zero Mancer, something a little more industrial. Something. I was going to say it's usually industrial. Yeah, yeah, something that a little electronic it has that feel. It's, it's kind of exciting mm -hmm. and it's energetic. I Obviously, you want to make sure that the lighting's right. You want to, if you're going to watch something, make sure that you know what you're going to watch. Whether it's Love Actually <laughs> or Pornhub. Right. Right. <laughs> And understand what your partner's going to want to watch. Mm -hmm. You probably have this conversation before doing the date night. I know a little while back, a friend came over and she spent a Friday night with me. And we planned certain things in advance so that we kind of had an idea. Some of it we were winging it, but we just kind of had this idea. This is what we want to do and this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. You know, sometimes you want to add alcohol to the mix. Sometimes you don't. If marijuana is legal where you're at, that could be your avenue of choice mm -hmm. or not. Again, as long as everyone is consenting. Ag agreed. And then, you know, I also, I don't know if this is something that guys do in general, but I like throwing the little wax, scented wax oh, in yeah. my warmer. Yep. And then finding the right wax smell that feels like, oh, this is nice. This well, is and scent is really big. Like, they say that's really tied to memory and stuff. Right. So you'll it'll be a more memorable night if they remember the smell. Well, ideally for me, you want to engage all senses in it so that it does. So that you remember. You're getting your smells and your sounds and your sights and your touches and your tastes. I mean, it's all... An immersive experience. Right. Setting the mood is crucial. That sounds hot. What are what are some of your favorite mood settings? Definitely the the lighting, um, especially like I have my insecure moments about my body. Right. Most people do. I don't want to be under a spotlight. Some people love it. I don't love it. So having that conversation ahead of time, if I walk into the house and you've got the lights down a little bit. Not off, just down a little bit, a little right. softer. You know, the music's going, you're cooking, so I've got the food smell happening. You hand me a drink. I'm already like, oh, hey, how you doing? Where right. are we going? Yeah. Okay. You know, maybe after that it leads to some oily massage. We're going to get our fuck on. It's just how it's going to go. Right. So, yeah, I, I love all that. Okay, that's cool. But it doesn't go straight there, right? You don't just set the mood, do the oily massage, and then get your fuck on. <laughs> There's another transitional step that is sometimes overlooked. Yeah. What is that? What is it that you do between those? I know, I 
What is it? Foreplay. It is foreplay. Well, I think that's what the oily massage is, though. I think that's the step from the dinner and drinks before the sex. Right. Here's one of the cool things about doing massages with a partner. This goes back to everything we've talked about so far. If your partner consents to that, or if that's something you guys Mm -hmm. agreed to, then you get in there and you start doing the massage. That's your way of figuring out what is a good zone to touch and what is not. That's how you can ask questions. That's how you can keep getting consent without being like, is this okay? Can I do this? May I do that, please? You know, it gives you the chance to have a sensual conversation where it doesn't feel like you're checking off boxes. Yeah, and it's a good exploratory... Yeah. uh, It gives you the chance to figure out what they want, where they want it, how they want it, and more importantly, what they don't want. Right. Which makes it easier to have these conversations during sex Mm -hmm. because you were doing it during the foreplay. Foreplay. Yeah. Oh, man. A good body massage and I'm melted. Yeah? Yeah. What what else? What are your turn-ons? I'll break out the oil right now. I know. Let's do it. I don't care if we've got an audience. It's fine. I don't care. It's fine. I don't care. Mark. (laughs) It's a crazy story, Mark. (laughs) I hope people get that reference. (laughs) If you get that reference, let us know. Please tell us when you get it. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) So, back to sex. Yeah. Yes. So one of my early conversations I have with people, along with the kinks and whatever, is what are your turn-ons? And to me, the turn-ons and offs, that's all part of foreplay, right? right? So if one of your turn-ons is getting kissed and nibbled in the ears and the neck, that's my foreplay go-to. Okay. So what are some of your turn-ons? I don't... Well, I mean, the massaging is good. And then, you know, being playful, again... How you foreplay is going to be specific to you and specific to the partner you're foreplaying with at the time. Right. The length of time in which you do it. I like a lot of foreplay. I like the teasing. I like the buildup. Like, it builds that tension, right? Yeah. And and you want to keep going and you want to get in there and do the business. But you also like the energy that's built. So I like yeah. a lot of foreplay. I feel like you're also a very physical person. Oh, yeah. Like, if I recall correctly, you've had previous partner or two that you like to wrestle with. Yeah. And that was almost a form of foreplay for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't like, it wasn't cutesy wrestling. We would actually get down and and do business. (laughs) And then I know I had a partner once upon a time, this funny little story where it was a lot of teasing. You're talking Uh about teasing. And he was a long-distance partner, so I didn't get to see him all the time. And he came up and was visiting and teased the ever-living shit out of me and then left. (laughs) Left me hanging. Literally on the edge, total edge play, and went home the two hours or whatever it was. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? I said things and said I would do things that I never would have said if I had not been on the edge. Right. (sighs) Oh. Yeah, that was a that was a thing. So I think, you know, it depends on your partner. Sometimes, like you brought up, I like wrestling with a partner. Some partners I don't really like wrestling with. Well, like with me, I can't really. I've got some injuries and things that I don't wrestle as hard. Right. So I just stick my butt at you, and that doesn't go so well. <laughs> yeah, you could work on your foreplay game a little. <laughs> so here we are, ready for the moment. What about the actual act of getting busy? Huh? Right. 
I guess in order to know more about that, you probably should head to our Patreon. Right. We previously mentioned that. Right. And we can do it again. Patreon.com slash TalkYourPolyOff. Go ahead and sign up at Tier 3, which is where you get our bonus audio content. So I guess in a way, we're kind of edging our... We are. We're teasing you. Do you need a little more teasing? Uh, mm, uh, Head on over to Patreon for some more of that. I'm doing it right now. (laughs) That was good. I'm going. (laughs) Are you coming? No. Well, I will be. Once I go to Patreon. Yeah. Now that we've edged our listeners, yes. let's play a game. Uh-oh. I am going to... Oh, let's see. So we have these games where either I ask you a question and you say did it or didn't do it. Oh, okay. We can say want or do not. Okay. How about did or didn't? Okay. I'm scared. I'm scared. Ever been in a threesome? Did. Foursome? Did. Fivesome? Didn't. Have you ever been in an MFM threesome? Didn't. Have you ever been... (laughs) Caveat. Have you ever been in an MFF threesome? Yes. You? Yes. MFM? No. Okay. But want. How about... You ever done it in a car? Yes. Truck? Yes. U-Haul? No. (laughs) Storage? Yes. (laughs) Have you ever been in porn? Oh, I think I need defining... Have you ever made a home video? Yes. Have you ever published said home video? No. Do you ever want to publish a home video? (laughs) You ever had sex for an audience? Yes. Has the audience ever been more than two people? Yes. More than five? Yes. More than ten? No. You ever had sex in water? Yes. You ever had sex on an airplane? No. You ever hire a sex worker? Yes. You ever get happy ending? Yes. Oh. All right. Well, um, that was a fun little game. <laughs> Do you know what a hot Carl is? No. Do you know what an angry dragon is? Yes. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? No. Do you know what an angry pirate is? No. Do you want to? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Fun. Hope you guys enjoyed that. <laughs> Google the things that have been said. Or don't. <laughs> or don't. At least not at work. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, just in closing, I do want to mention a few takeaways, all fun aside. You can take me away. I will take you away. You take mm. my heart away every day. So in closing, I do want to mention five takeaways from today's discussion. All the fun and silliness aside, we did talk about some serious things today. So I just want you to remember, one, consent can be revoked at any time without explanation. Two, set a safe word. Three, have an open and honest conversation about birth control and sexual health with all of your partners. Four, communicate your do's and don'ts. And five, keep communication lines open. Those are some good takeaways. Don't forget to check out our show notes for more information on today's episode, as well as find our multiple social media links and our website. Get in touch with us and connect with this beautiful community we are all a part of by taking part in our many conversations on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to click follow or subscribe as it helps other people find and connect with the show. Also, 
We have just set up a YouTube channel. We did. Oh, no. And we're starting to play with that. So if you want <laughs> to see us in addition to hearing us, you can always go to YouTube and search Talk Your Polly Off and find us. Yep. And then you can watch how stupid I look in front of a video. <laughs> I hope that you got a thrill out of this conversation. And I hope that you're feeling satisfied. And if you're not feeling satisfied, like we said, hit that Patreon up to get something a little saucier. And I guess that's it, right? Yep. We will see you next Tuesday. Bye, Polly and fam. Thank you for talking your Polly off with Bella and Monsada. You can find our Facebook page in the links or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepoly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepoly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam. Live like there's no tomorrow. Laugh until it hurts. And and love love without without limits. limits. Pump, 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 pump.